He's the one, he's the only RJ Bell. Straight out of Vegas. Vegas. It's straight out of Vegas, AM style. Steve Fazek joins. The show just ended, and we're thinking we didn't get to everything. That's the point of the AM. We had an episode last week. It's going to start being every day we have the show, pretty much. We'll have to figure Mondays out, because the Friday, doing something after... Maybe, but then maybe we want to do something kind of fresh. Maybe me, maybe we do half and half. I do a little something fresh. I take myself maybe Monday morning or uh, Sunday night and then something from last week's Friday show. We'll figure that out. It's beta testing, work in progress. Life is a work in progress. But the key here is if you want to watch this or listen to the show right after the show, or any time before the morning, great. In fact, the next day you want to listen to the show, that's great. But what we want to do is we want to pull out the stuff that doesn't go stale, that maybe three days from now, four days from now, you could still listen to. I know most of you will listen to it that next morning, but it's fresh, it's there. You want to binge listen, you know, parents come to town, something. You can binge listen after, because most of the stuff will be at least a week or so that it stays fresh. That's the premise. We got quick topics today. Two of them are going to be pure bonus style. Number one is going to be Fez with his recap of the weekend, the stuff we didn't get to on the show. What were the takeaways that sports bettors will make money from and sports fans will learn more than their buddies because they know these kind of facts? And finally, I didn't get my full rant out when it came to college football. So we're going to play about two minutes from the show and then embellish that with more ranting, you know, less encumbered. If I want to scream, I can scream. That's good. You know, it's good in life. If you can scream when you want to scream, you're doing pretty well. All right, first topic, Fez. I'm going to give you, until you bore me, topic one. Chicago Bears' Mitch Trubisky really wants to win. He laid it on the line against Minnesota. Trubisky ran the ball eight times in that game Year-to-date, Trubisky has not run more than four. So what do we know about running quarterback? It's dangerous. You can get injured, but it's highly effective. And the fact that he more than he doubled his maximum rushing attempts for the year shows me Trubisky is all in right now. Strong point. Most people are going to be talking about Trubisky's performance. Interesting, but you don't know what's changed. Why is it different? Why is he doing well now? You're saying you see part of the reason. If you go back... Mackenzie, maybe you can pop in and do this for me. If you look at Trubisky the year, his second year, I think it was, or maybe his first year, he was ranked like third in QBR. And then the next year, so I think that was his rookie year. And then his next year, he stopped running. And it was because, hey, I got it figured out. If I run, now I want to start to be a pocket guy. And he's never recovered from that change. Can you give me... Some info as you look it up on Trubisky's running the year he was third in QBR and then his running the next year. Just attempts is all I'm looking at. Yeah, so he averaged 4.6 attempts in his second year, which was his great QBR year, number three in the league, 2018. The next year, he averaged just above three. 
So 50% more in 2018 than 2019. So a, a significant decrease the next year. And even though during that first year, less than five carries per game, and how many yesterday? Eight. Uh-huh. That's strong. You haven't bored me yet. Topic two. All right. Arizona gets the cover against Philly, winning by seven. They do that minus three in turnovers. That's impressive when a team not only gets a win, but they can cover. Just to be clear, you should have been laying seven tonight. That was one of your winners of your seven picks? It was painted six and a half. Okay. Come on now. Uh, I mean, listen, all I know is Jonas read it as seven. A lot of people thought, hey, you know, but okay, go ahead. And Kyler Murray running the ball again this week. He had those three straight games with the shoulder injury where he wasn't yeah, yeah, running. Yeah, yeah, So how many carries did he have? He had eight. And how many yards did he get? He had 29. Okay, so hold on a second. At what point are we going to say now it's two straight games? McKenzie, put that Yale Law degree or Yale degree and uh, yeah, make it valuable to the nation. Let's look at the yards per carry of Kyler Murray this year. And let's pull out the games that he only carried the ball five times. I'm going to make the case now he's had two high carry games, but they might be his two worst yards per mm. carry game, which means he figures I got to take the hits, but he's not. He's either not committed or he's going out of bounds more. I don't know, but I'm thinking these are going to be two of his worst games per carry. At some point, we got to stop saying, oh, he's back. We'll see in a second. So your point is they win by seven. They were minus three in turnovers. Mm -hmm. But where do we put in the idea that Murray had a great passing game except Philly was as devastated with their D-backs as Denver was and that we got to kind of downgrade that performance on Arizona too? That's a great point. Mm. I, think, I think that's reflected in the spread though, largely, right? Or, no. Yeah. Was it reflected in the bill spread? Mm, no. Good I point. think D-backs, if every injury is in the spread, Fez, why would you ever have an injury That's a good point. as a handicap? Yeah, and we've spoken about how these cluster injuries, yeah. you got the cumulative, hey, each one of these guys, he's worth a quarter of a point. But you get four of them out, they're worth way more than a point. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think maybe we can mitigate the two and say it evens itself out and they should have won by seven. I think the real story in this game is the fact that Hertz didn't throw the ball in start number one, and he ran, and it was enough to motivate the team and win a game. Here, he threw the ball an absurd. Uh, do you remember what his passing yard over-under was? Yes, it was right around 206. And he how many yards did he pass for? 338. I mean, what is your sense of Hertz? Because if, if he can throw like that in week two— now, do you feel like it was a fluke? Was it, or do you think this is something? This is a quantum leap. I think it is not a fluke at all. It is remarkable the poise that this kid has shown. And one particular play, the game on the line, he messes up. He fumbles. All right, just rolling out, scoops up the ball, throws a completion, showing tremendous poise. When any other rookie quarterback seemingly would panic in that high pressure situation. All right, RJ's right again. Topic number two. Let's talk college football playoffs. I think that we, like we often do with the one hour straight out of Vegas, we were able to dig, you know, the choice oftentimes is, do we go high level for a bunch of topics or deeper into less, fewer topics? When there's a big aftermath Monday, you can't really do fewer topics. This one, we didn't get a chance to go as deep as I'd want, but we're going to rectify that. First, 
This is from Monday Show. Let's talk college football. To me, this conclusion was more egregious than I thought it could have possibly been. Now, you might think, RJ, what do you mean? Did you not expect Notre Dame to get in? Well, one thing I heard was, and Jonas, I think you were the big one on this. You said, oh, well, if Notre Dame gets blown out, I don't know. And it doesn't feel like there was any amount of margin that was going to cause Notre Dame not to make it. In hindsight, do you feel like that the way they looked in that game against Clemson warranted them getting the four spot? Yeah, I mean, I just think there was a lot of stock put into their previous win over Clemson. So that's why I was best quarterback in college football. Yeah. And so that's why I wasn't surprised seeing that they got blown out and hammered like they did and and still ended up getting in. And I wasn't surprised either. Right. I thought maybe, but I didn't really, I certainly didn't want Texas A&M. I wanted Notre Dame over Texas A&M. But here's the thing I thought was egregious. I mean, like, I don't know how to say egregious, like with four syllables, egregious, but that's what it is. All right. So if you're BYU, if you're Coastal Carolina, two teams that had the guts, the testicular fortitude (laughs) to play each other on like 48 hours notice and have a barn burner of a game, if you don't make the playoffs... And obviously, BYU with one loss wasn't going to, and Coastal Carolina wasn't going to. What do you hope for? You hope for a big bowl game, big six or whatever they call it. No, no. But then if you don't get that, what do you hope for? Give us a chance against the big boys. Put us up. Now, let's give them credit. So Cincy against Georgia. Georgia is favored by seven right now. Since he has a chance to make their statement. Now, I'm sure if since he wins, it's because Georgia didn't care. So they can't really make a statement, <laughs> but at least they have a chance. And the game's the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. How fair is that? So in the backyard of, of the dogs there. Good point. Well, yeah, not the underdog in yeah. the backyard of the Georgia Bulldogs. But here's the thing. You take BYU and have them play another group of five team, Central Florida, and you take Coastal Carolina and put them in the what? The Carabal? No one cares about the Carabal. And I don't even care that it's the Carabal, but they're playing who? Liberty? I think Tomlin went to school at Liberty, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not sure. Listen, this is rigged. It's rigged. They won't even give these teams a chance, even in a crappy bowl to play a power five school, because if they beat them, it's going to be more reason next year to put someone in, and they don't want to do that. What do you think, Joe? I mean, to me, that's the egregious part of this. If Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina gets in over Notre Dame, I mean, that game's going to be unwatchable. I mean, they're, they're, like Alabama is going to completely, and I mean, they're going to beat everybody. As opposed to I being just, a 20, uh, 20 and a half or 19 and a half point favor. I, that's why I, I that's why I don't I don't know that it matters results wise. Then if it doesn't the matter, then team. let's get let's let's change it up a little bit and give the small guys a chance. But right? I, I, I just I I just think Notre Dame beating Clemson, once they beat Clemson that first time, backup quarterback or not, Notre Dame was in. Let I, me I just cons- felt that way. And I'm not sure that I want to concede the point, but for the you know sake of time right now, let's say you're right. 
I'm not even talking about that. I wasn't sitting rallying about Cincinnati. The funny thing is this. Cincinnati was ranked seventh in the first committee rankings. They, they kept winning and they dropped. Hmm. Now, when does that ever happen? How is that possible? In Iowa State with three losses above them? It's, and, oh, by the way, they have a common opponent, Louisiana. And it's just insane. It's insane. But to me, the egregious part, and we got to run, but the egregious part was you don't even give a BYU or Coastal Carolina, who's like a top 15 team, a chance against, I, hey, give them credit. Georgia sits high. There could have been three matchups. Let's have a best of three. Coastal Carolina versus a real good power team. BYU against a real good power five team. And Cincinnati. And let's see if they go two and one. Mm. Right? If they go 0-3, you can shut me up. But you know what? I ain't shutting up because they're not going to take the chance. It's rigged. <laughs> Pretty convincing. Pretty convincing, Fez, if I do say so myself. What do you think of that concept that the egregiousness here isn't so much not making the playoffs? Because I'm not sure. I think Cincinnati should have been in the discussion. The fact they weren't even in the discussion is a problem. But the real problem is Coastal Carolina doesn't get a shot against a big boy. BYU doesn't get a shot against a big boy, which means they can't win. Meaning, this is what they do in the NCAA tournament. They put a seven versus 10. They line it up where you've got, you know, two mid-majors that are both dangerous and you make sure one gets knocked out in the second round. You know, that is a great point because even though in the NCAA tournament you have the opportunity to advance, the truth is they stack the deck against those two teams. So what happens, not only do they put them on the 7-10 line, oh, but coincidentally in the second round, they take the best number two seed they can find and they take... Sparty and they put Sparty in their backyard to get an effective home game in round two against the survivor of that game. And you drew that analogy with Georgia Cincinnati where, hey, let's give them credit. They're giving Cincy a chance. Though I would make the case Georgia's probably the most underrated team in the country. In that when I did my and, you know, I made some calls. I don't do a college football ranking every game or every week throughout the year. But I took some time and put together one, you know, knowing that people would be interested. And here was my rankings. And this is from Sunday before the committee made their final decision. Alabama, Clemson, The Ohio State University, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, BYU, Texas A&M. So I think the surprising one there is BYU being so high, but also I think most people, and you tell me if you agree, would have A&M over Georgia. I think Georgia's clearly better than A&M. Interesting. I'm not sure, but I know everyone would have A&M higher, yes. So, and again, not every, when I say everyone, I don't mean the sharp, sharp people, which I'm not in college football, but I'm saying, you know, even, you know, the weekend fan type. Yes. So isn't it interesting? They take the number, in my opinion, the most underrated team probably in the SEC, put them in their backyard to play Cincinnati. This is like some like carnival wrestling thing where the toughest guy in the town, but they give him a drink right before that's like laced with morphine. There's all kind of, you know, obviously that's extreme. Not what we're talking about here exactly. But the point I'm making is, 
this is a tough spot for Cincinnati. Yeah, you can just see the committee saying, we need to crush this rebellion that's on our hands. Too many people talking about these little guys belong in the Final Four. Here's what we'll do. We'll go ahead and make them come to Atlanta, and we'll let the Georgia Dogs take care of business, and that'll be enough of that talk about how the Cincinnati's of the world should be in the Final Four. And so you give a real tough spot to Cincinnati, and then think about the way Colin right here on FSR reacted to Coastal Carolina BYU. He said after that game the next Monday, he goes, oh, ha, 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 anyone like BYU? What? That national what? They lost to something called Coastal Carolina. So see, see the insidiousness? If you win, it doesn't matter against another non-power five. One, one's going to lose for sure. Right, even though be no, you would have thought. Wait a minute, Coastal Carolina is like maybe the fifteenth best team in the country, and that's what the computers say. And I tend to agree. So now, if somehow BYU wins that game, they're not going to say they took it on forty-eight hours' notice. They're going to say they traveled across the country. They're going to say they beat who? Coastal? What? But how else do you play tough opponents if the Power Five opponents won't play you? Exactly. And if you don't play tough opponents, they say you didn't play anybody. And then come bowl time, you don't even get a chance. So now, no matter what, BYU is going to be invalidated if they lose to Central Florida. Or, oh, who'd they be? They're not even, what? Central Florida? Nah, they're not even good this year. That was a couple years ago. And now Liberty, Coastal Carolina, they don't, they can't win. And, and Liberty is like an under-the-radar um, sharps love them type of team that has that no one has got no press all year long. So maybe they maybe they keep it within twelve, and all of a sudden it looks like Coastal Carolina is no good. Though that was a good performance. Yes. So think about it, and this is what I challenge you to do. You can tweet me at RJ in Vegas. Explain to me how BYU or Coastal Carolina wins. I don't mean win the game. I'm talking about a game bigger than the game. How do they win? Because if they were given a chance, a fair chance against a power five team, they could win. They could change the conversation about them. How did Boise change the conversation about them? They went and played in Auburn back east they, and they won enough of those games. And now the fact that BYU went into Boise and won actually was a big selling point to whatever degree BYU was being sold. So it really strikes me there's no way for Coastal Carolina to win. There's no way for BYU to win, meaning no matter if they win on the scoreboard or not, it'll be the same narrative. Yeah, be, tell me the scenario that these two teams, either of them, could tr have a true win. And if not, how isn't it rigged? If no matter what you do, if when the season started, if you told Coastal Carolina... You're going to win every freaking game. And you know what? At the end of the year, it won't mean much. You're going to play in the Care Bowl. Imagine if you were a chess player and you're like the seventh-rated chess player in a tournament and you won every game that they scheduled you for and then you finished ninth. How fair would that be? <laughs> That's a good analogy. But it's even worse because imagine if it was to get to some next round and then because it'd be one thing to say, yeah, they're not power five. It should be tougher for them to make a New Year's, you know, big six bowl game. It should be tougher to make the playoffs. Fine. But it can't be impossible. Cincinnati, to repeat, 
And we'll go to our final topic. Cincinnati, the first playoff rankings, were ranked seventh. They went undefeated since then, and they're ranked worse now. But Iowa State has three losses, and they're above them. And they have a common opponent, Louisiana. And Mackenzie, look up those exact finals. Iowa State, Louisiana, and Coastal Carolina. Closing thoughts on college football, Fez, for now. I think you nailed it. It's rigged. Alabama, 19 and a half. Over Notre Dame, 91% chance to advance. Clemson, seven and a half, up from seven over the Buckeyes. 75% chance to advance. You know, I teased this and didn't get to it, Fez. And I, I always try to get to it during the main show, but we'll get to it in Straight Out of Vegas AM. Subscribe. That's the thing, guys. Sometimes we're going to have like a handicapping 101. Like there's nothing really hot that day. We might just do 12 minutes online moves. And that's the beauty. The title will tell you. So if you're subscribed, you can say, oh, I want to hear about that. Or I don't care. I'm one of the 50% that don't even bet. Or maybe you, who knows, right? That's the beauty. But if you don't subscribe, you don't know. And it's free. Just go straight out of Vegas or RJ Bell, subscribe. There you go. So what I said was, if you had an Ohio State ticket before the season started, you'd think, wait a minute. It's hard to make the playoffs. Things happen. If I make the playoffs, I'm on my way to making some money. Not true, Fez. Not true at all, because if you have an Ohio State ticket, it says plus 320 on In it. In that range? Yes. And now you can get six to one. So you're getting basically short So eight. the odds of Ohio State winning the national title the day after they make the playoffs are worse than the day before they play the game. Much worse. Oh, it shows you how bad those odds were coming in. Yes. Cockroaches. Yeah. All right, Mackenzie, give me those finals. So Louisiana beat Iowa State 31-14 in the first game of the season. And then the fourth game of the season, Coastal Carolina edged Louisiana 30-27. So one team has three losses, Iowa State. One team has zero. They have a common opponent. They lost by 17, the team with three losses. And the undefeated team beat them. Lost by 17 at home, too. Freaking rigged. All right, boys and gals, we're building a relationship here. Once Fez is in your life on a daily basis, how would you explain it, Steve? I don't even want to attempt to. Yeah. I mean, this is what I'll say. And this is, <laughs> this is what we call Fez's his own version of Christmas carols. Beelzebub, Leviathan, Asmodeus, come forth from the abyss by these names. I don't agree, but I believe in religious freedom. Talk to you tomorrow. You hit the chapel, fell daddy in the mountain.